Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. And it's your boy, Trav. We are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to our Thursday show, Thursdaysy, where we take a look at the oeuvre of one perennial Oscar bridesmaid and knower of cinema, a Mr. Martin Scorsese. And what are we watching this week, Zach? We're watching The Color of Money. Marty takes us to the smoky back rooms of sketchy pool halls to catch up with fast Eddie Felsen on his quest to find a hustler protege. Nice. Exactly what it's about. Exactly. Really sum that up. Uh, this is everybody's first time watching this movie. Yes. No. Yes, for me. Oh. Wow, I'm shocked at that. I am too, honestly, as much as I love the hustler and like 80s Tom Cruise. Zach, what's the first time yeah. you watched this movie? Uh, the first time I watched this movie was like five years ago um, when I was filling some Scorsese holes. Wink, wink. <laughs> hey, I like nice. that. Yeah. I like the way uh, you said that. <laughs> so, yeah, only my second time watching. Nice. Zach said he's filling Scorsese's holes. It's been an up and down kind of day for him. Absolutely. Um, I do have an issue with the the title of the film, though. Um, uh, as far as people saying, you know, the color of money is green. I've got I've got this these pesos. <laughs> it is not green. Why is not well actually who is that on the peso? <laughs> Jose Maria Morialos. Okay, looks, look like Tom Berenger. <laughs> it, oh wait, as played by Tom Berenger, correct? Oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. oh look, there's some green on the back. I, I lied. Oh, you well, fucking was, liar! My dad pesos. used to bring me money from other countries. My you know, when he go out yeah. on employment, none of them were green. They were on. <laughs> none of them were ever green. So you're on to something. We're the only only place that has that green money. Mm, that's right. That's right. We're the greediest. I gotta be distinctive. I actually don't like the title of the film. I do in kind of a representative kind of way. Yeah, okay. Well, then explain to me what it's representing. because well, color, it, is, it is meant to show that it's green and the color of money is the color of jealousy. Yeah. Okay. So you've got Eddie who's kind of jealous of this young man who's got all this right. talent and is kind of wasting it. And... He wants to mold him in his own image, which is why by being a shitty person, but you by being <laughs> a shitty person. I mean, he's, he's a pretty shitty person in the hustler too. So it's not, right. it's not anything. new. <laughs> uh, uh, we do have an Oscar breakdown. All right. Uh, our Oscar breakdown starts with Paul Newman mm-hmm. winning best actor. That's right. Just the like year that. after he picks up an honorary Academy Award, which is uh, like the second or third time that's happened. Yeah, I think I read this was uh, the first time in seven nominations he's actually won. Seven nominations. And I bring that up on the other show, too. So, um, yeah. So, congratulations, Paul Newman, one of our greatest actors, finally picking up his. A lot of people feel like it's a uh, makeup Oscar and... I don't know. After watching this film, like I, I have a hard time saying that he's so good in this movie. But well, what was he up against? Uh, he's up against Dexter Gordon in Round Midnight, uh, Bob Hoskins in Mona Lisa, William Hurt in Children of a Lesser God. So he definitely deserved to be William Hurt because that movie fucking sucks. And James Wood and Salvador. 
Okay, I've never seen none of those, so I can't. Don't see Children of a Lesser God. It's garbage. Well, I want to see it. Well, then watch it. And <laughs> report back to me on how much garbage that film okay. is. Um, Bob Hoskins in Mona Lisa is probably the one I like the best in this category. And that's not having seen Round Midnight. So Right. All right. Um, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio mm-hmm. gets a nomination for Best Supporting Actress, losing to Diane Weist and Hannah and her sisters. I don't think that Master Antonio should have lost this Academy Award. Wow. Good old uh, Gina. Yeah, good old. What you saying? From mm-hmm. your favorite movie, Scarface? Yep, the greatest film of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, all right. Uh, back to what I was doing. Uh, Richard Price gets nominated for Best Screenplay based on material from another medium. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was one more... Yeah, best art direction. Best art direction. Thank you. Uh, nice. Best art direction going to uh, Boris Levin for art direction, which was a posthumous nomination. And uh, Karen O'Hara for set decoration. They lose to Room with a View. I'm not. I, I'm not sure that this film should have won, but I don't think Room with a View should have won either. Aliens. Aliens should have picked up this. Yeah. This award. Or the mission, one of those two. The mission, and um, so that's it. Four nominations, one win, and uh, I'm just really happy that it did not get nominated for best original score. So that's our Oscar <laughs> breakdown. Well, it was it was our boy uh, Robbie Robertson, though. Good old Robbie Rob, Robert Robert the band. Mm-hmm who also picked all the music in the film as well. Right. All right. Let's talk about this movie. What do you guys think? Uh, uh, since there's two people here and I always go first, I'm letting Paul, you know, give it a tackle. I, I think this is a very good film. Uh, I, I still like The Hustler a lot more. I think The Hustler has a really good punch to it that this film kind of lacks. And I almost completely blame that on Robbie Robertson's score. I think, (laughs) I think Scorsese does so much to ramp up a lot of the tension in this film. And every time that score comes in, it takes me right out of it. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't think it's a very good score. Uh, But I mean, aside from that, I think Scorsese's doing a lot with the camera in this film. He is having a good time. Uh, especially in that first scene, he's he is clear with his intent of what he's you're going to be saying with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Paul Newman's on top of his game, but it's very rare to see Paul Newman not on top of his game, so we shouldn't be shocked. One look at Tom Cruise in this film, and I just turned to my wife and said, ah, it's so easy to see why this man became a movie star. Absolutely. He, <laughs> he just had everything. Like, yeah. And to think that this came out the same year as Top Gun. I know. Crazy. Like and that and legend. <laughs> and and legend. Man, he was having a fucking banner 86. Well, let I thought Legend came out in 85. No? Yeah, Legend came out in 85. Oh. Well, it might have been one of those like soft releases, but it gets it gets nominations here in 1986. Oh, okay. Or, you know, it's one of those, uh, maybe it had... Because uh, yeah. you want to know why? 
It came in at the end of 85 in the UK and the beginning of 86. That was going to be my next guess is that Ridley Scott released it in his home country. Yeah, yeah, which he normally does. Yeah. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) Good old Scotty. Good old Scotty. (laughs) Scott-free. So, uh, yeah, Banner 86 over Mm -hmm. here in the States for Tom Cruise and... Mm-hmm. Again, like each one of those is a very different performance, and mm-hmm. I don't get why. I mean, I get why people don't like him personally, but right, I've yeah, never no. understood why people don't like him as an actor. I think he's incredible. I yeah. don't think anybody disliked him personally back then. You know what I mean? So even if, um, yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's a wacko now. He's lost his marbles. But what's it called? Yeah. <laughs> but. I don't feel like anybody in the 80s and 90s was saying that about Tom Cruise. You know what yeah, I mean? This right. guy is, he doesn't miss. No, and I mean, he was, this is this was just that that kind of come up year where he's he's been in some big things to this point, but it, it's amazing mm-hmm. yeah. how good he is in all three of these films. Right. Yeah, I think, like, again, this year is probably... Uh, solidifies him as a blockbuster action star with Top Gun, but also legitimizes him as a uh, talented actor in this. It's like, I mean, he'd been good in other things, but this is like his working with Scorsese, working with Newman, and, you know, they have the opportunity to work off of each other. And, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, his what is six months of, or not, however many months of dedication to, be a pool player where he's apparently good enough to be a professional by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And, right. and all but one of the trick shots that he does in the movie are done by him in camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like that's wild to me. Um, something I saw, I do kind of want to bring that up because we're still waiting on Maverick to come out. And there's <laughs> been a lot of stuff that came out about the movie about, Pretty much the government told his ass he can't be flying these jets, you know, because he was like, bro, I'm flying these jets. I'm going to fly and these the United jets. United States government is like, no, you're not flying these jets. <laughs> it said, knock, knock, who's there? Not you. <laughs> <laughs> so I just find it funny, you know what I mean, that this mm-hmm. has been him since his whole career of why wouldn't I do it? I'm, I'm, it's my role. Why wouldn't I do it? You yeah, know? exactly. So, right. Um. And again, when we're talking about this list of movies that the dude had from this point forward, I mean, forget about it, dude. Yeah. I, it's just movie after movie after movie for like a decade. Mm-hmm. And also, too, I've said what I said about De Niro and these other movies, but the fact remains that if Scorsese is going to put you in a leading role, he thinks very, very highly of you. Yeah. So... This is already Scorsese thinking Tom Cruise is that dude in 86 or mm-hmm. 80, what, 85, probably when they recorded it, filmed it. So, yeah at, yeah, at least. And and that's without, you know, that's that's having seen things like all the right moves or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that or uh, stripes, maybe um, not stripes. What taps taps? Yeah. Um, but he. He hasn't seen Top. He, there's no way he's seen Top Gun. Top Gun or Legend, probably, or possibly. Like, so you think he saw him in Risky Business and he was like, "That's my guy." <laughs> possibly. I mean, I guess he was in The Outsiders, but not very oh, big role. God, I mean, and that came not, out a couple of years. What eighty three? Yeah, like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. E3. Yeah, so what's it called? And they just put out the new Outsiders full novel movie. I haven't watched it yet, but it's like 22 minutes of extra mm-hmm. stuff that completes like the book or something. So I'm excited about watching that because I love Cause, that movie. Because Coppola's up on that uh, George Lucas horse shit these days where he's just tinkering with his movies. What he, yeah. Where he, he went and tinkered with the uh, fucking Apocalypse Now again. Yeah, and I, I, of course the rumors with the Godfather 3 cut that you yep. know he wants to do and all this stuff. So, yep. yeah, he is on that George Lucas shit. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. Uh, yeah, like, it's just a really good movie. Yeah, we got back-to-back weeks where, like you mentioned, the camera work. With this and After Hours, he's just doing crazy stuff. Yeah, him and Bauhaus just have just struck like artistic gold mm-hmm. yeah the two of them are just all over the place with this camera and i absolutely love it yeah bro that they, they had this one shot where it, it was side pool table they were standing side pool table it was about to shoot and they take it from this side and like swing it around mm-hmm. and come in and then like angle it and i was like this was so unnecessary, but like amazing at the right. same time. Yeah. All for a pull shot. All for a pull shot, bro. And there's there's the one shot where they they come into the the one pool hall at the yes. end. And it circles around. Where oh. it like starts up in the rafters of this like yeah, that huge one. like hall and just cranes down slowly and then comes into the pool table. It's like that is so much work for an establishing shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they had another one. I thought you were talking about the one in the middle of the movie when they walk in through the door and mm-hmm. it like, it doesn't start point of view, but it starts somewhere like that and then like pans around the whole entire yeah. pool hole thing and there's just so much going on in right. the pool hole and I'm like, this fucking yeah. camera work is just Jesus. Yeah, they, they are not messing around. Yeah. I, you know, we're always going to be talking about camera work with Scorsese. I mean, it's his one of his signatures. And I think, you know, it gives the movies a lot of rewatch value because there's always something going on, on the screen, a lot, of, yeah, a lot it, of things to see. It's always very dynamic and very kinetic. There's, there's never yeah. anything static going on in these movies. Even the, even his like shot reverse shot stuff, <laughs> like either. Even when he has the camera sitting still, there's always like something in the frame. Something's going yep, on. Yep, like, yep. He's he's not wasting film. Right. Dude. Um now I don't, you know, we know about Tom Cruise and pretty much him becoming a master billards player. I don't know if Paul Newman, you know, did that if he was doing his own shots, but if he didn't, there's this one shot, bro. It starts with him and then it pans down to his hand. And it's seamless the whole way. And then mm-hmm. follows the shot. And I'm like, if they replaced him with somebody else to take that shot, you don't it, notice it. Incredible. like You yeah. don't notice it, dude. Because it was one swift motion. And I was like, God dang. And it was, you know, not some easy shot, too. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't yeah. be raving about pool shots camera work you know what i mean but here we are i, I mean i'm not really uh i'll play pool occasionally at yeah, the yeah. bowling alley or whatever but i'm not like a pool guy but i mean this definitely makes it look cool it's got the whole um 
the vibe going on with it, the aesthetic, and and you know it's a it's a big thing in a lot of pool circles. Um, if you're really into it, I'm I'm sure this like fuck yeah, this movie I can cut yeah, this, my teeth on it or something. Yeah, this this and the hustler like yeah started pool booms. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently like pool hall memberships went up and and like billiard stores started like selling shit off the shelves like just wild yeah yeah and i'm not um i'm not a huge paul newman fan like i don't know his catalog like that and i know we were kind of like praising tom cruise but i gotta say though like i mean he kind of held his own with paul newman but Paul Newman's on another level in this movie. It's the little simple nuances that Paul Newman does with his character about uh, his facial expressions and how he says the dialogue. And then, you know, when he finally beats him and, you know, he's walking casually and he walks outside real quick and gives that like hooray and then like fixes himself and walks back in. And, and I'm like, damn, that was so good. Oh, and then when Tom yeah. Cruise comes to his hotel room and gives his, his winnings and tell him that he... He let him beat him. Mm-hmm. The look on his face changes so subtly to the like. Mm. Paul Newman is a master of the craft. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. yeah he, Tom yeah. Cruise is a very good actor. Paul Newman is. Yeah. Now we know there's like forty years of acting difference between the two at this point, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So of course, you know what yeah. I mean. But uh, it's like the master and the new kid on the block coming up. That's going to be a star, but he's not quite there yet. It's very metatextual. Like yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and you could tell Scorsese did it on purpose. Oh, absolutely, he did it yeah. on purpose. And so, like uh, Richard Price, Scorsese, and Newman apparently uh-huh. did what they did on uh, *Raging Bull*, and the three of them just kind of hold up together right. for a while and worked out this script together. So, not only is Scorsese thinking about this, but obviously Paul Newman has something to say about where he's like, I mean. I'm the old guy on the block and I have mm-hmm. to, I have to hand it over to the new generation at some point. And I don't know who, who brings Tom Cruise on, but the fact that Tom Cruise is the guy that he's about to hand over film to is such a master stroke that mm-hmm. these, that these filmmakers just hit right out of the park. <laughs> yeah. And it's a super successful movie, dude. You know, it, yeah. it makes almost triple the budget and it's like, it's just a movie about pool. With a quote unquote old washed up guy and a new kid on the block who really doesn't have a bunch of blockbusters yet because he films this uh, before Top Gun comes out. So, I mean, outside of Outsiders, he doesn't have blockbuster hits yet. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. There's there's so much genius in this film. Yeah. And and again, including, I was going to say the the scene with, uh, Eddie and uh, Amos with uh, Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. uh, putting mm-hmm. in some early uh, yeah. finesse <laughs> work. It, it's just like the dialogue and the exchanges between those two in that scene. So uh, good. Yes. It, yeah, when Forrest popped up, I texted Paul and I was like, holy shit, it's Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, I've we, never seen a young Forrest Whitaker. Well, we and... got a double dip of young Forrest Whitaker this week because he's in Platoon, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's another movie I've never seen. Oh, it's so Platoon. good. I mean, again, it's another classic, you know, American movie, but what's, I've just never seen it. But yeah, I was like, man, still got the eye. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> All those years ago. 
Yeah, and yeah. and it's again another credit to Paul Newman where after after he gets hustled or he lets himself get hustled at the end there because mm-hmm. he knows he knows what's going on. Right, right. Uh so he lets himself get hustled in that last game and then he just like leans his head against the wall and starts muttering to himself and just about any other actor would have such a hard time selling that as a moment and you just buy it. Like mm-hmm. everything Paul Newman says. Also too, uh, the chick that played Gina in Scarface, I'm always going to just call her Gina from Scarface. <laughs> I do not. Mary what? Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Okay. Um, she was is such a good casting because she's kind of a sleaze. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not only did this chick not age that well, uh, I don't find her attractive anyways. Like, she's kind of, she kind of, she has the sleaze look. Like, it was just perfect casting, dude. You know what I mean? You can kind of tell that she's like from the streets kind of look, you know? And then yeah. when you get the backstory of her and her ex-boyfriend robbed him and he didn't know, or God even knows if that's even true, she could have just been bullshitting him too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, she she puts it in incredible performance. There's a reason she got nominated for this, and I think she should have won. Because I'm hard pressed to think of a supporting actress from this year in film that I liked more than her. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Oh, mm. Zach noises. Something's <laughs> coming. Uh, You're thinking Laura uh, Dern and Blue Velvet, aren't you? Oh, I, I was thinking Blue Velvet anyway. Yeah, <laughs> one of the two. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <sighs> that usually are usually our Scorsese podcasts are like wild, you know, we're yelling and hollering and laughing. <laughs> and, but this movie is just like so good that there's really nothing to it's, holler and laugh about, man. It's, 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 it's so just, methodical. It's just mm-hmm. such a good, I'm in awe of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, the more I talk about it, the more I think I ranked it a little too low. Dude, why why <laughs> did you take the words out of my mouth? Because I literally was about to say, I honestly feel like I ranked it too low now that we're talking about this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the ending. Yeah, God. the ending's so good. And I, so good. And I love, okay, so so let's let's get into the, the Scorsese of this, because Scorsese, again, we're, we're in this period where he has a passion project he's trying to work on right. and nobody's producing it for him and he gets close and it gets taken away from him. So he becomes this like hired gun and he, he's working on stuff just to work on stuff and kind of prove he can. And that's why we get after hours and Paul Newman, uh, after there is a sequel book written to the hustler in 1984 brings this to Scorsese. He says, I loved Raging Bull so much that I feel like this is the guy who needs to make this movie. So he brings it to Scorsese who in turn is like, I mean, if I'm not going to make the movie I want to make, I might as well work with Paul Newman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I could do much worse things in my life. Absolutely. So, so essentially they, they get a script and nobody likes it. So they, and the script is closer to the book and they're like, uh, I don't really like the script. So they throw it out. Uh, they, they bring in Richard price. They work out the script, the three of them. And essentially they're off to the races after that. And they, Disney gives them the money. So, uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio is a Disney princess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So they, they get the Disney money and Scorsese essentially challenges himself to make a movie under budget and on time. And he does it. Mm. So what was the, what was the budget that they were willing to shell out for the movie? Uh, I, I feel like they, I'm yeah, a little I, shocked that the budget was 14.5 million. I feel like it wouldn't have cost as much to make this movie. I, I feel like a lot of that's going to Newman uh and because i'm just looking at 14.5 million in 1985 when they shot this film yeah so I, I that's equivalent like... to 36 million dollars by today's standards so this was a 36 million dollar movie in today and i'm like how I could see that big pool hall at the end costing a lot if they're there for like a couple of weeks, what whatever that hall was, because that that thing was incredible looking. Uh, they shot it in forty nine days, and I feel like they originally got like fifteen, and they bring it in at fourteen point five. They even saved some money on this one. Yeah, yeah it's a little crazy. It was a thirty six million dollar movie by today's standards. But thirty-six million dollars move thirty-six million dollar movies don't really get made in today's standards. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're like, we're yeah. gonna shove two hundred at you, or we're I was gonna, gonna shove say 10. it's either ten million or two hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> so filmmaker filmmakers are working with Scorsese's uh, budget of today of nineteen eighty six today. Oh Lord, wild. And it's a third of the budget. Well, because when you look at Scorsese's budgets in movies now, it's you know, a hundred, a hundred million. And there's really not a lot going on in those films, except incredible acting. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's not a CGI guy. He's not, there's not a lot of post craziness going on. I mean, you get that with the de-aging effects and. Right. <laughs> What's that? Uh, people have shit on, on the Irishman, the de-aging yeah. effects. I, I think, I think very unnecessarily. Uh, I would say it's unfair, but it is justified considering other people did it better at home. So I get it because it's unfair, but people have proved that they could have done a much better job. Yeah. I didn't notice as, as much as I was while I was watching it until like afterwards, uh, people pointing things out. But I still think it's fine that, you mm -hmm. know, I, it doesn't bother <laughs> me. Either. Yeah. Uh, and then of we, we, we have other episodes. We'll talk about those. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I, yeah, this is such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, tough. it's just, it's pretty much just three people the whole time. You get people coming in and out. Yeah, Totoro like, comes yep, in and out. Oh, he's so yeah, good in this. It's too. just the trio, though. You know, the mm -hmm. trio going, going out, and then there's chess pieces that come in and out of scenes. And, and, that, and that's a lot like The Hustler was, too, because it's... Right. It's Newman, it's the woman he's sleeping with, it's uh, George C. Scott, and then uh, Jackie Gleason comes in and out. And, right. Like, that's the end of the big names and mm -hmm. characters that aren't just people with weird nicknames. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a Scorsese thing, because he still does that now in yeah. movies. So. All right. Um, let's get to our worsty judgment. Trav, mm -hmm. where's this sitting on your Thursday's rankings? Okay, so originally before we started talking about this film, I had it 
quote-unquote sitting at number five, but it was his fourth best directed movie. However, I'm pulling, I'm pulling the left turn, um, and I'm moving it to my number three spot. Ooh. So I have it sitting. I have Taxi Driver, After Hours, and I had Mean Streets. I'm bumping it in front of Mean Streets and putting Color of Money at number three. So no, this is not the worst Martin Scorsese film Thanks. by none. Thanks, uh, Zach. Where's the sitting on your Thursday ranking? So I was holding my tongue a little bit because I, I kept wanting to say, uh, you know, I really like this movie and watching it again and you pick up on little nuances and uh, in watching chronologically Marty's films and stuff, you see his continuing style, his camera work and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. it gives me an added appreciation to it. But I really do feel like in the end, it's, it is kind of a mid-tier Scorsese film in uh, his overall career. So I won't say anything more other than saying I'm sure this will get bumped down a bit as we go because it's not one of his masterpieces. Right now I have it at number six. So I got Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, After Hours, King of Comedy, Mean Streets. I give Mean Streets an edge over this. Mm-hmm. So, number six. How about you, Paul? Uh, hilariously, I have it also at my number six. <laughs> uh, after bumping it up. Because that Robbie Robertson score. Really oh, you bumped it up to six. So what was I, it before? Uh, it was down at 12. That's oh, wild wow. to me. I don't want to give away all my rankings, but... Uh, I had it just under Woodstock. Oh, hold on. Are you have stuff in this list that we haven't reviewed yet? No, I just don't want to. Oh, okay. Go like, through 11 other films. <laughs> yeah. I, I had it just under Woodstock. Uh huh. But now I've That's moved crazy. It, I've moved it up and I have it just under Last Waltz because I like Robbie Robertson's yeah. music in The Last Waltz way more than I way like more. It. <laughs> I yeah. just, I cannot tell you how many times, like, I was really getting into a scene and then that score would kick in. Well, like, that just goes to show you sucks. that just goes to show you what a great job everybody else is doing to overcome yeah. such yeah. a snore of a score that literally takes away from the film. Like right. it doesn't it doesn't even like not do anything for the film. It takes away from mm. the film. So and I really feel like I don't know. Like the idea for the score is fine. And if he would have had somebody like Robbie Robertson, but a little more like the next year, Eric Clapton, who, you know, I'm not going to sit here and praise forever. uh, Eric Clapton does the score for lethal weapon. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of in the same vein as this, but it's a much better score. Yeah. And I'm, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, he's doing the score for Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Scorsese film coming out. So Robertson is, yeah, and, and I feel like I've heard him do good scores. This yeah. just, I mean, he's worked with Martin uh, a plethora, yeah, of times. This was just not it. Like, no, I don't know it. if this was the first time he scored a picture, but it. I feel like it was. It might have been, but anyway. So I got this right under Last Waltz and Zach. Our top four are the same, except 
after hours and king of comedy are flipped mm-hmm. so that's where i'm at mm-hmm. all right well we're gonna go ahead and call it there trav you want to let people know where they can find you on the media's social yeah if i have to uh, <laughs> you can find me on the Instagram at ZK Audio. You can find me on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-E-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd, where I'm ranking and rating my favorite films. And like Paul always does this week, I watched... Uh, um, help me out here, Paul. Uh, Power of Encanto. the Dog. I cannot think okay. of the film. Oh, I watched Encanto. Okay. Um, I really like that. Uh, Far From Tree, you know, that came on before it. I really enjoyed that. And 8-Bit Christmas, which kind of sucked. 8-Bit Christmas. Oh, and tonight I watched um, Power of the Dog. Dog, And uh, I don't know if Paul saw it or not when I messaged him. He just told me to enjoy. But I'm telling, I put it in my top 10 movies this year. It was fucking phenomenal. So, yeah. You just wait. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Zach, (laughs) where can people find you on the media social? (laughs) You can find me on Critiker. Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterboxd, search by my name. You can see my lists. Paul, Mr. Workman. You can find me at Father of Fear across the platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where, of course, I also rank all the films that I watch. I watched all three of those films this week as well, Trav. Eight Bit Christmas, not very good. Uh, far <laughs> Far from the tree, my review on it is damn raccoons. I already know I'm a bad parent. Uh, Encanto, love is magic, baby. Mm-hmm. And I also watched Power of the Dog. And it is currently in the year of 2021, my number five. Oh, wow. Number it's five. And you've so seen like 150 movies. I, I currently yeah. have ranked 150. Is that? Yeah, I, I know I said 150 movies. Let me get the actual number. Dude, what it is, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. What it is. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just, what it is. It was really, really good, but it's the fucking ending that makes you go, look, sold. There. Take my money. I was going to say, I, I, read like, I read like four reviews that said that, and I was like, and yeah. then I watched it. I was like, okay, no, yeah. <laughs> and, and I sat there and I watched it. And it dawned on me what had just happened. Like, yeah, maybe it was like two minutes later. And I was like, holy shit, that was a masterpiece. Wasn't yeah, it? dude. And it's got the the kid from Nightcrawler and the yeah. new X-Men movies. Co- and Cody he Smith would, McPhee. He looks just like a like. And that that's on Netflix now. It's on yeah, Netflix. It is, dude. It is on it, Netflix. It everybody's is. performance was. I don't look at Kristen Dunst as like this phenomenal actress. Probably the best role I've ever seen her in. My God, she gave it 110%, dude. It was, she was so good in it. Her, Plemons, uh, yeah, Plemons Crumbly so Bumbly. <laughs> uh, they're all, they're all just putting in all, like Cody Smith McPhee should get nominated for Best Supporting. If he doesn't, I'm really confused at what we're doing at the Oscars anymore. Uh, Power of the Dog is so I was going to say, everything that Jane does, though. Oh, is is five star. So let me, uh, yo, Jane Campion rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me, let me. Sorry, I misspoke. This is not my number five because what I have in my number one spot is a short film that I only have there to bring attention to anybody who wants uh, okay. to look at so it's my number top. Four. It's my number four. Wow. Hmm. 
uh, just under French Dispatch, The Fallout, The Green Knight. Nice. And then The Last Duel is my number five, because that film fucking rules, too. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see it. So, uh, okay. Alright, Paul, give us the socials. <laughs> uh, we Sorry, we went so long on that. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> no, that was good. <laughs> what are we watching? I'm taking notes. Next week. Next week, Zach. Next week, we're watching an episode of America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the day is catching up to me. I've been up for too long. Uh, next week, we're watching an episode of Amazing Stories, Mirror, Mirror. An episode, is it directed by Scorsese? Directed by Scorsese. And, Paul, what do you say? It's on NBC? NBC.com. Okay. We'll hit that I was hoping it was on Peacock those. since I pay for Peacock. Right. Yeah. I do not have the free cock. I have the pre-cock. Yeah, we have the pre-cock. I don't have the I don't have the the ultra the the director's cut of the pre-cock, but I got the you know yeah. the first pass. Yeah. Well, there so, you go. So I was I, I was hoping it was going to be on there, but it's on NBC.com. If you are able to watch the video on there. Yeah. Well, we'll link it when we post this episode. So. Indeed, we will. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Love and Love Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. Thanks, Trav. Thank you. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and J Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at OscarWorthyPod and on Facebook at The OscarWorthy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. Four. Trav, Zach, and uh, I forgot to pick somebody. Gina to, from Scarface. <laughs> Gina from Scarface. <laughs> Master Antonio. Uh, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs> <laughs>